0: Turn up, your, Turn up volume. your volume. Because you're about to listen to The, the sick, podcast. sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like, no, like other. no other. It's gonna be sick. Sick, sick, sick. Brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPIX for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Marinero, The Sick
1: Podcast following a Montreal Canadiens 4-1 win in Ottawa on Thursday night. The Canadiens get ready to host the Ottawa Senators at the Bell Center on Saturday night. And joining me right now, in the business for the longest time, and now with Global <laughs> TV Montreal, Brian Wild. Hey how Tony, doing? how are you doing
0: today? I'm doing well. I'm doing it good. Slow good I'm happy, Friday, to be honest. It's a slow yeah. good Friday, but it's good to be
1: yeah. talking to you. Well, I'm happy to be talking Montreal Canadiens hockey with you, Brian, because I know there's never going to be... A shortage of opinions, and you know that's what I most love about you. I love people that have opinions. And yesterday, Brian, the Canadians played a real good game against an inferior opponent who this time around really looked like an inferior opponent because the Ottawa Senators have done well against the Montreal Canadiens thus far this season. They did not last night. The Canadians dominated the Ottawa Senators and it was a fantastic performance from everyone, notably Jake Evans, Paul Byron, yeah, and the Phil Deneau line, which I know you have a real strong opinion on. There have been reports as to whether or not Phil Deneau was offered a long-term contract with the Canadians before the season started. Some people say those reports are true, and others say that, no, they're not true. Did Phil Deneau refuse a six-year, $30 million contract offer back in the month of September? Well, it all depends on who you talk to. Brian, I felt for the longest time that Thomas Tatar – would not be a Montreal Canadian next year, and not because he's not a good player, because obviously he is, and not because he doesn't fit in, because obviously he does, but because of the contracts that are going to be up, the fact that Canadians are cap tied right now, they're going to have to renew Kakinyemi. they're going to have to renew uh, Yoel Armia, they're going to have to renew Phil Deneau, they're going to have to renew Thomas Tatar, they're, all that stuff. But watching the way that line has played over the last four weeks, I'm starting to ask myself if that is indeed the right move and whether or not they can cut somewhere else
0: to try and make a way to try and find a way to make it happen. Yeah, that's exactly how I look at it. It's sort of like uh, wheat from chaff is how I've been putting it on Twitter recently. You have some guys that are clearly wheat and you need to keep the guys that are clearly wheat and you need to cut out the chaff. And so when you look at the difference between a competitive team and a non-competitive team, you got to keep your best players. you got to find a way to sign your best players. Now, when you say that kind of thing on Twitter, Tony, everybody's like, oh, you idiot, you're saying sign Thomas Tatar for six years and $55 million. You know, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is work your hardest. Don't let him shoot for the moon but work your hardest to see if you can find common ground with a player who is admittedly of 30 years of age, Tony, but he has not shown any signs of regression yet. So I'm not saying five years, 25, he may start to show regression. So yeah, we're limited on our years for Thomas Tatar. We're limited on our money for Thomas Tatar. But you've got to find a way to say to yourself, I've got one of the best lines in the National Hockey League here. If I'm Mark Bergevin, I have to find a way to keep that line together because they have 18 goals for this year and they have three goals against and that's a plus 15 differential. And there's only one other line in the entire league that is a plus 15 differential and that's Nathan McKinnon. And again, don't hear me wrong here. I'm not uh-huh. saying they're on equal footing. Of course, Nathan McKinnon's line is a better line because not all hockey is played five on five. Hockey is playing on the power play. And when that line gets going on the power play, they're the best in the world. When the nose line gets going on the power play, well, they're on the bench because they're not good enough for the power play. So don't get me wrong. I'm not putting them on equal footing. However, yeah. what I'm saying here is it's a very good line. It's undervalued. It's underrated. You have to make sure that you keep the wheat and cut the chaff. So what's the chaff, right? That's the next question. The chaff is Paul well, Byron. Too much money there. Yeah, The chap is Arturi Lekinen. I love Arturi Lekinen. Everybody's known I've loved Lekinen. But in this scenario, yeah. you cannot put three to him and let Tatar go. You cannot keep 3.5 and let Tatar go. I would even go so far as to say you cannot have 7.8. Weber managing his minutes, right? You know good general there? managing is what? It's it's. It's understanding what the future looks like when it's yeah. still the present.
1: Well, uh, you know, a lot of people say that Thomas Tatar is a declining asset, and it's odd they would Do say that so? about him. Um, look, I think his it's going to be difficult for him to be better as he gets older because obviously the law of physics says that yeah. the probabilities are just inferior. Having said that, if the Montreal Canadiens had no problem giving long-term contracts or acquiring long-term contracts for players that were going to be well into their 30s, well, then, why would they have a problem with Thomas Tatar? So, now the one thing I've been thinking about is at the beginning of the year, I said to myself as I looked at the Montreal Canadiens and their contracts on Cap Friendly. Uh, it's a great website, by the way, capfriendly.com. I'll give it a plug. Why not? But anyway, long story short, when I took a look uh, at the players' contracts, were up at the end of the year. And I said, okay, you know what? You got to find a way to bring back Armia. And you can probably part ways with Tatar and Cole Coffee will come in. Now, you know what I tell you? I'm going to add to what you said. If Yul Armia wants $3 million and you can get Thomas Tatar for 4.25, well, then you're better off giving Thomas Tatar 4.25 than giving Yul Armia $3 million. And I understand they have different characteristics, but what I think has to happen here is this. I think Mark Bergevin needs to sit down with Thomas Tatar's agent. He's got to say, listen. I understand Thomas's value to the team, and I understand that you know it's not very often you turn unrestricted free agent and Thomas is gonna to want to cash in. My reality is this I gave Tyler Toffoli four years at four point two five million dollars. And when I gave it to him, he was two and a half years younger than Thomas. I can't give Thomas more than four point two five, mm-hmm. but I want to keep him here. Mm-hmm. We find a way. Yep. And if the agent says, yes, we can, and Thomas says, and I believe Thomas Tatar wants to remain, he loves it in this city here, Brian. Yeah. He loves being a Canadian. So listen, he loves success. Yeah. Who doesn't and, love success? He's successful. And Gallagher and Dano love playing with him. You can tell. like Those guys are, you know, they're, they the enjoy parts, each other on the ice.
0: The sum of their parts is way better than they are as individuals. Of course, yeah. I mean, I've never actually seen an example in NHL terms of the sum of the parts are better than the individuals in my entire hockey life. I've never seen this. You take Deneau and put him with two others. You take Tatar and put him with two others. You take Gallagher and put them with two others. They might be like the 40th line in the league five in every metric I could find gold differential uh, expected goals, uh, percentage Corsi Fenwick, they're tops, top five. in all of these categories, they wouldn't even be top 50 individually. I don't think maybe Gallagher, but you know, but I think that when you look at it it, and I agree with you, they should find money for Tatar. If they don't find money, I'm not going to be hypercritical because if you look at who drives the line, well, we know centers drive lines all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so clearly he drives lines. Uh, Connor McDavid, it's like 15 points against everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Drives out of 16 points against everyone. He's got two, McDavid does, and drives out of one in four games. And that's and Brian. That's Brian, it is, Brian. Brian,
1: it is quite possible. It is quite possible that Deneau walks and Tyler Toffoli fits in on that line it's quite possible that DeNoe walks in next year, that Cole Caulfield fits in on that line playing on yep. the left wing. That's, yeah, that's exactly. all possible.
0: Let me, me continue the contact. point. Let me continue the point because uh, – and then you can plug that. Um, so DeNoe is a driver of the line. And then I want to quickly make the point that Gallagher is a driver of the line too. He's your F1. He's your spark plug. He, he's the guy that just drives plays continually. Cattar yeah. is, of the three, the least of the drivers of the line. I'm not saying he's completely replaceable and they put, you know, anyone in there and yeah. it works equally, but of the drivers of the line, there's no question about it. Those two are more than Tatar, though. I do love them as a triumvirate.
1: Yeah. Tatar's a good complimentary player. That's yeah. what he is. Listen,
0: it's the sick podcast
1: and it's brought to you by my bookie. Use code sick picks for a 50% deposit bonus bet. Win get paid. I'm Marinero. He's Brian Wilde. We're talking Montreal Canadians hockey. So let me ask you this. We are 10 days away from the NHL's trade deadline, 10 days away. I believe this conversation with Thomas Tatar's agent has to happen now if it hasn't happened already, because you need to know if, you know, if he's going to walk at the end of the year or nothing. And by the way, even if they find that out, I still believe that they will still keep him here and make him walk at the end because they're all in, right? They're all in, but I have to ask you anyway, even though that's my opinion, I want to get yours, yeah. If you if they talk with his agent and they realize they can't make it happen in the offseason on a contract extension, do you trade him now? Yeah. Or do you okay. let him walk at the end of the season?
0: Well, you know one of the terms that has come into vogue in the last couple of years is your own rental. And that's what Tatar would be to me. He he would be your own rental and you keep yeah. him because this is a year where with everything in the North Division you've been competitive Against the teams you're playing against, you haven't won against Toronto necessarily so well. You've taken it to overtime against Winnipeg all the time and lost three on three, which wouldn't matter because mm-hmm. you play five on five. So you've shown you're competitive all the way to a final four berth. So you got to keep everybody. You got. You can't. You can't sit there and go for the future. I can have a... because I don't think Goffields ready to beat Tatar. I don't think they have anyone that is ready to beat Tatar yet. You know what I mean? But yeah. going forward, they, you know, they would have a guy who could be, I, you know, I, one can see years down the road if Caulfield turns into a player and can mm-hmm. find the dead zones and the space to get that shot away, he yeah. could be a compliment to that line. But for now, if you're all in, like you just said, and they yeah. are, they've been never closer to a Final Four than, you know, 2013. So they got to go for it. So I say, yes, you're talking to him. If it looks yep. ugly, you bite the bullet and you keep him anyway. and hope there's some magic that makes him even more wanting to stay in the city.
1: So after all the players that Marc Bergevin acquired in the offseason yep. and acquiring Eric Stahl one week ago, yep. now um, having Cole Caulfield within the organization, he's with Laval for now, we saw League play his first couple of games here as a Montreal Canadian We've seen the evolution of Evans who last night in Ottawa was absolutely fantastic. You ready for this? You ready for my statement? Of this is the deepest without a doubt. Oh yeah. The deepest Montreal Canadiens team in the last 25 years. It's the deepest
0: since they won the Cup in 93. It's not only the deepest as a team, it's the deepest organizationally. When have they had 5 defenders that all could potentially be NHLers at one point? I mean, it might even be higher than five. It might be six if you want to throw in Fleury, who, you know, is playing well. He's throwing Josh Brook, who is playing well. You know, it's just organizationally. They are ready mm-hmm. for the defense in two, three years to turn over already. They're already ready for Shea Weber to be old. I mean, when well, did you have said that?
1: Well, uh, they're ready because Jeff Petrie has been the number one defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens this year. Yeah. So at that point, you know, Shea Weber really would become a second pairing guy. You need somebody to fill in and do the job. I have by to tell you, the way,
0: he's the third pairing guy.
1: Yeah, he gets little press, but you have to give credit where credit is due. Brett Kulak, Kulak is say, playing yeah. great, great hockey alongside Jeff Pete. Now, you can tell me all you want. It's mostly because of Petri and what out. What is what it is? They have chemistry. When I look at Kulak, I think of Tatar. Kulak is the Tatar to the DeNo line. Kulak is that to Jeff Petrie. He is a very good
0: complimentary defenseman to play with Petrie. We never talk about him. No. Nope. And when you're not talking about a defenseman, it's because he's doing nothing offensively, but isn't making you watch him because he's bad defensively. Correct. So we don't talk about him. He fits into that perfect category of there's nothing to say about this extremely competent hockey player playing on the blue line. And there's I don't even know that- what to add. Yeah, well, I'll add this. I'll add this. You do do then. You know, there are games
1: where Mete has shown his worth too, and a lot of people are down on Mete, and they say he's not big and he's not strong, and he gets pushed around, and he can't close the gap, and he doesn't have a very good shot. But you also have to say that he joins the rush. He's a great skater. He has very good anticipation. Just last night, he picked off a puck, right, just inside the offensive zone, which ended up leading to Corey Perry's, goal to put the canadians up by a score of three to nothing at the time Mete's playing good hockey too jake <laughs> allen's playing good hockey Carey price's numbers in march did you see them they're unbelievable
0: yeah i did yeah you know with Mete, i i wrote in the call of the wild not too long ago there's a very easy way to assess his game what zone did he play in he played in the defensive zone he probably had a tough night because he's not great at those things. blocking yeah. out bodies, being physical, yeah. winning pucks in corners, cross-checking a guy across uh, uh, the back in the front of the net mm-hmm. to win a battle there like Shea Weber can. But he's playing in the offensive zone, guaranteed he had a great night. It's so easy to assess him. Where'd you play yeah. your shift just now, Victor? I played in the offensive zone. I assume it was a great shift. Yes, it was. Hey, Victor, where'd you play that last shift? I played it in the defensive zone. How bad was it, Victor. I mean, it's as simple as that. I've never seen a more simple hockey player to evaluate than Victor Mente. In his own zone, he probably didn't do great. In the offensive zone, I guarantee it was an awesome shift, especially if he was the one that yeah. got him into the offensive zone, which he can.
1: You know, we talked about Brett Kulak. He said earlier today that Dominic Ducharme has the team playing tighter, closing the gaps a lot more which leads to a lot more takeaways, which leads to scoring opportunities. Look at last night. And he said, everyone understands their role. Now, some people are going to say that and say, here's another player who's just saying that about a new coach. And one day they're going to have his head and they're going to say the same thing about the new coach that will come in. But do you see the changes
0: in the, the way they they're playing hockey under Dominic Ducharme? The biggest change I see is, is in uh, support puck support. Um, You know, at the end, uh, I don't know why it happened. I'm I'm sure Julian wasn't preaching, leave the zone early and give this guy no support. (laughs) But that's how it looked, right? A guy have it, and his option was like 30 feet away to the left and 30 feet away to the right. Now you see a guy getting in a little bit of trouble right now. And the puck support is unbelievable to be like a guy four feet from him and another guy six feet from him. Sometimes they get out of the offensive zone and it feels like it's happening in these tiny little steps, but it gets done. So, yeah, the organization is outstanding. And, you know, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about the power play.
1: Well, I was just going to go there. And by the way, I don't have the stats to support this. So maybe you can help me out here one day going forward. It just seemed to me that before, because they didn't have that support through the neutral zone and I'll get to the power play in a second there were a lot more dump-ins, and then now you're chasing. You're trying to get the puck back that you had. All of a sudden, if the other team has defensemen that can move that puck out in a hurry, then you're chasing back, and all of a sudden, you're more on the defense than you are on the offense. By having that puck support through the neutral zone, I find they're doing a much better job of zone entries, which we're also seeing on the power play, and I want to talk about that. The zone entries are a lot better, and one of the things I really love on the power play, we've seen this is the two-man screen, the man high and the man low. I don't know how many goals we've seen in the last month where the puck actually finds a way through traffic on a wrist shot or
0: deflects twice and goes into the net. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, absolutely. And you see some other things on the power play that are really working. You see so much more movement in terms of the, the the previous power play was really quite static. The guys were always standing there and they're passing it around. And the only way to get, I mean, I'm not telling you this, but more the audience, uh, I mean, the way to create is you change angles. And when you change angles, you open up lanes. And the only way you can ever change an angle on anyone, defenders, is because you're moving. Moving your feet they, instead of being exactly. static. Exactly. And you're yeah. doing this. And you're moving. Even if it's just seven feet along. But you keep going like this. Suddenly, you've opened a lane up, and boom, the pass goes through what was closed before. And then you'll see, too, you'll see a forward. Tatar is really good at this. He'll uh, he'll just attack. Yesterday, I noticed he just attacked two guys. And he wasn't attacking those two guys, uh, a guy high and a guy low, a defender and a winger. He wasn't Mm -hmm. doing that necessarily to win that battle and get through two people. But he was forcing them to come together and condense. And now the pass back to the point, you've got two guys that are out of uh, position now, and now lanes are open. It, I mean, the entire power play when you get in is about opening lanes. And Burroughs is just doing an incredible job. And one final point I want to make on a power play is that first unit used to occupy 130, right? 120, 130. And yeah. then the, the other unit came out and was like, ah, we got no time. And it, it was different people all the time too. And it, just like, it was sort of like we only are going to concentrate on the power play with one group of five. And then you five come out there, and uh, we, we haven't even practiced anything, and we always change you, and, you know, good luck. And clear now it is. You got 50 seconds, because that's how long shift is. Yeah. not a minute 30. You're not superior to the second group either. So if you didn't create anything in 50, get the hell off the ice. Because I've been working and coaching this second group too. And yeah. you've got Jeff Petrie on it, for God's sakes. I mean, it's better than you. So they have been coached, uh, planned for created systematically yep. you know i mean the power play is the only time when hockey is not chaos i like to say hockey is chaos it's the most chaos of all the sports by far football starts with a huddle which is a plan basketball starts with out of bounds it's your ball which is a yep. plan you yep. know what i mean every baseball is the pitch i got a plan it's going to be a curve it's going to be a slide yep. it's going to be a fastball. hockey you don't even know who starts with the puck it's face off did we win did we lose? And then the rest of it is just chaos. But the one place it's yeah. not chaos is power play. You know at some point you're getting in the zone and you're going to possess the puck. So you better have a damn plan. And for the first five time in five years, I feel like they got a plan, Tony. I feel it's like the they entered with a plan. Yeah.
1: It is the sick podcast. He's Brian Wilde. I'm Tony Maranero. He's Brian Wilde of Global TV Montreal. Go to sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code SICKHOODYS15 for 15% off on all of your hoodies for all your favorite teams. Brian, I'm at this point, and I'm wondering if you are too. I'm at, Even though the Canadians play in the month of April five huge games against the Calgary Flames, I am ready to say that it's over. The Montreal Canadiens will make the playoffs. I'm ready. I, I Hold on a second. I'm ready to bet the house on mybookie.ag <laughs> I'm ready to bet the house.
0: <laughs> Is something going to come up on the screen that says the house, bet the house? Is it coming? Is it on coming on the screen at the bottom? Tony, bet the house. There we go. A place place your bet on, on, on
1: mybookie.ag. <laughs> you code six tick- ticks for 50% <laughs> yeah, deposit but You bonus. know what, Tony, what's I'm that betting the saying? house on the house to make the
0: playoffs. Are I, you? I don't see bet the house on that, though. Next time you got to come with the code's got to be bet the house. Um, we'll do it. Uh, Yeah, I think so, because the math is really, really horrific for Calgary and Vancouver already. And people don't know this yeah. because, you know, they look at, oh, it's only this many points separated. But I mean, the way I like to do it and everybody should do it this way, not this points BS, because it when there's six games at hand, I mean, what's points mean? The way yeah. you should do it is uh, NHL. How many games are you over NHL 500? The Canadians right now are eight games over NHL 500. The Flames and Vancouver are two games under NHL 500. That means they got a 10-game split, right? So there are 19 left for both Vancouver and Calgary. Tony, in 19 games, if the Canadians play 500 hockey, no better, just 500 hockey, maintaining eight games over NHL 500, Calgary and Vancouver have to finish 13 wins, three losses, three ties, 13, three, and three. Does anybody watching those two teams this year think they have any chance of going 13-3 and 3? And no should chance. the Canadian no chance. And should the no Canadians chance. go one game under 500? That means those teams have to go 12 and 4. And on you go 11 and 5, 10 and 6. I mean the margin for error for the Canadians is high.
1: Yeah, you're right about Just it. Listen, the average. He didn't say it, but it sounds like he would bet the house too. He's Brian Wilde.
0: I would bet the house
1: Bet the house.
0: No question about it.
1: <laughs> Yet another edition of the Sick Podcast, and you can listen to it on all social media platforms, and you can watch it on Facebook and on Instagram at the Sick Podcast.
0: Brian Wilde, Global TV Montreal. I'm in narrow. Next, next one, Tony. I'm gonna to be wearing a shirt that says i no, I'm gonna be wearing a hoodie that says Bet the House. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get you that. The hoodie's saying bet the house. <laughs> He's Brian Wild
1: of Global TV, Montreal. I'm Marinero. It's the Sick Podcast.
0: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPIX for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid.